In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name. is... <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Wow, what can I say about Darrell Smith? Darrell Smith is the founder, director, president of the Minority Outdoor Alliance. He also started a podcast called The Gun Dog Notebook. And a lot of you haven't seen the film, it may actually be out by the time this podcast drops, called Dogman. Darrell Smith calls himself a dogman. He's a South Georgia quail hunter that is tied in intimately with the, the art of dogs, horses, and good old southern quail hunting. This is a hell of a conversation that really dives to the why behind just who we are as hunters. Exactly the tenor of a Blood Origins podcast. Did you do? Yeah, it's, um, I'm the one that's honored here, my friend. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Yeah, we are. Yeah, because <laughs> you are... As I said on uh, an email, I watched a film called Dogman, Dogmen, sorry, apologies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Number one, because of the cinematography and the people that filmed it that we both are very good friends with. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of the term dogmen. And... Is that is that a is that a term that is? And I, again, this is gonna. Uh, and I'm South African, so I guess I, I get yeah. a little bit of liberty here when when it comes to yeah. talking about yeah. um, 
sort of racial segregation and stuff like that. Is yeah. dogman a term that was associated with African Americans on the plantations, or is that a term that is an endearing term that you use today? That's an a term of endearment, man. That is because it's it like growing up down here in the South, like you'll see a lot of the times, like I have like I got this really nice recently. Uh, matter of fact, I love cowboy hats growing up, right? Like that was a thing for us. I watched my granddaddy have them and all kinds of stuff. Cowboy hats, cowboy boots, right? And and down here, you grow up black and, and things like that. But but really just growing up in the South, really. Okay. Here in Georgia, okay? Um, Snakeskin boots and all kinds of stuff. You just associate these things growing up. Like my granddaddy's from Columbus, Georgia. And they had hogs and stuff like that. And like they did ride horses to school and things. And like he's told me about a childhood. So I, I I watched my granddaddy do that. And so for me, the the idea of like cowboys, like I would watch westerns and stuff with him. Like it was really cool to me, right? right. Well, there is of course the history of African American cowboys, yes. But for me, dogman takes the same resonance as like the American ideal of like cowboys, you know, okay. it's just for bird dogs. And, it, and it, it's a term of endearment. Like, yes, my mentors, Neil Carter, like he'll say, he says dogman, and I picked that up. And, and, and that's what it means. Like, I want to be called a dogman. Like, that's a, that's a, you know what you're doing, you know? So a dogman is someone that is the cowboy of the South, but tied to dogs, essentially. The cowboy to bird dogs, man. Cowboy of the bird dogs. I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, Darrell Smith, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I am truly, truly, truly honored. When I tell you, every episode since I started, and I'm admittedly like a new listener, I got into it because of Reed Bryant. Mm-hmm. You had him on. Mm-hmm. And I was just so captivated by y'all's conversation. And that's my buddy anyway. Reed is, is a good friend of mine. Um, and Robbie, I, I love listening to your thoughts and like the way that you navigate thoughts and insights and conversations. And I, I love the way that you pose, you know, hunting, like mm-hmm. the, the image of it. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I have my own understanding of it, but I'm not South African. But what is your image of hunting? Because clearly, um, well, before you answer that question, introduce yourself, Darrell. Tell people <laughs> about yourself. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Darrell Smith, uh, host and founder of the Gundog Notebook podcast. And I got a little surprise for y'all coming up, but I ain't going to say it for you. You're going to have a little change. You're going to have a little navigation to do. But as it stands now, I'm the host of the Gundog Notebook podcast and founder, uh, co-founder with my wife of the Minority Outdoor Alliance, which we just had our festival this past weekend. It did really dope. I can't wait to tell you about that. And, you, then, had a phenom- um, and you had a Blood Origins family member join you. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't. Hardwired Outdoors, Eric Thompson. Eric, he's a, okay. Okay. Eric okay. Thompson, we haven't, released, of- we haven't released any of his footage yet. We've got his entire family film. Oh, And it's man. legit. And we've got even 
his uncle who has passed away filmed. Yo, you gonna drop that on me on this podcast like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eric's legit. Eric's legit. Eric is the man. Eric is, and he know I had to give him a little grief um, about the way that we run our dogs down here in the South versus how he does out there in the West. Um, but that's the dog man. That's that's the dog man. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And 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 we just dog man from different regions. When did the Minority Outdoor Alliance start? We started in 2020, right after George Floyd died. Man, it just my wife and I. You know, it's one thing to have the platform that is the Gun Dog Notebook, mm-hmm. and we've done really well. But it's another thing to say, hey, look. What else can we do really well at? And how can we use, you know, our platform for good? 100%. Yes, conservation. But, like, how do we inform our communities of the things that we need to happen? And George Floyd was, you know, at our festival, we were quoting uh, Christy Plummer from TRCP, uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, and 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 she was saying, and we were quoting her that there was the George Floyd lever that got pulled, mm-hmm. and I think my wife and I were like, "Yo, we're doing the gun dog notebook thing. We're doing the history. We're talking about all of these things in our in our platform already. Now, how do we do do that to make a difference and make a change? Mm-hmm. And how do so- we focus that energy? You know." So going back to my question then, from a minority outdoor alliance, and I don't know if you want to separate that away from Darrell Smith, or that's one and the same. Where do you, where do you, where do you see the hunting image or the image of hunting in your eyes today? I think there are a lot of stories that need to be told. I think we now know that there are so many cultures and traditions that have been deliberately left out, frankly. And now I think that the the hunting industry as a whole is way more receptive than ever before to hear these stories and use them to reinform the narrative of what it means to be a hunter, what it means for sustainability, what it means for continuity and conservation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think because there's so much creativity going on in, you know, in the field, in the woods, and how hunters uh, use these processes to adapt to everyday life, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, a good friend of mine, Chris Rockwell, and I were just talking about this idea, and he's a board member for Minority Outdoor Alliance, as a matter of fact, as well. Um, but we were sitting talking at this festival. Um, that we just had this past weekend. It was a great success, and we were all excited. But he and I got on a one-on-one. We we, we got to talking one-on-one, and he said, well, look, next year, we really need to talk about, you know, something that's pretty important, and that, as minorities, historically, using game and hunting right like hunting was normal hunting like even if i think about like my my great grandparents like shooting squirrel was normal right like right and all the parts were used because you had to mm-hmm. even when i think about black culture when i think of chitlins like as nasty as it smell and stuff like that that was 
black people using all the parts. Right. And so Chris was like, well, if that was, you know, African-American history back then where we had to make use of everything, regardless of what we hunted. Well, nowadays we don't necessarily need to do that, but we should do it. And that my, why do you you think you need to do it? I don't know. I I, I don't think, I don't think we need to do it, but we should do it. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Why do you think we should do it? Because it's, it's respect of the game. It's respect for nature. Like we are all connected. We are all energetic, energetically connected, and and we, and we, no matter the frequency, like we exist on this planet with each other. Mm-hmm. And I and I believe that means that you are naturally, um, you are inherently connected to the taking of life and the taking of gain. So in order to respect that connection, you need to use as much of that as you can. You know, and that's when hunting then becomes art, right? Like, this is a a really, 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 like, it's, it's a spiritual experience for me. Do you, do you think that, because, you know, we've been accused of being f- almost flowery, tapping into people's emotions. Mm-hmm. We've actually even been accused of victimizing hunters because of this expression of a side of hunting it, it, that almost people don't want to talk about. They don't want to acknowledge. They don't want to discuss because it almost makes you weak, makes you look weak. That you're not this like killer that goes out and you know just does what you're supposed to do, be this macho person, drag you know drag the deer back to the campfire that we were doing 200 years ago, but rather you're going out to your point that there's some sort of spiritual connection to the land, to your to the to your culture, to the ancestors, to the dog, to something much bigger than what you're actually doing. And somehow that's like, mm, I, I use the term flowery or, you know. You know, toxic masculinity is a terrible thing, my friend. It's a terrible thing. And I'm sorry. That's my phone. Um, I'm so sorry about that. Um, toxic masculinity is a terrible thing. And it, and it is it is pervasive to the narrative of like, it's 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 pervasive, right? Like it's one of those things. Hunting is beautiful. It's not that like, but I, it's also raw why, at the same time. It's, it's raw, raw yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, I mean, dude, it's, you're killing something. Like I I I don't. I'm not right. one of them people. I respect people that say like harvesting game. Like that's cool. Like that's just the terminology. That's just a difference in vernacular for me. Like whatever. But nah, man, I'm killing something <laughs> because I also limit how much I do that. You know, for me, it's like I said, it's much more about the art. And I got bird dogs like it's much more about the art of. um, Dang, man. Sorry, my would family you, like, would, messaging me. Would you say that, though, 
you say it's all about the art, but I don't think it has been always about the art. No, it's not always. I mean, you're still killing some dude. Like something is losing its life, whether you want to be leisurely about it or if you're actually like really hunting for food, like you're taking something's life and, and we're humans, dude. We're really good at taking life. Like, <laughs> like we got shotguns. We got, we, we glorify the things that we even use to take life. Like, I mean, at, at, in, in, in a lot of respects, it's still killing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm in my, in my, you know, I think in my brain, like, dude, I'm sending these really fast dogs. Um, you know, I'm sending these really, really, really fast dogs out after a bird that is frankly pretty helpless. Like aside from flying really fast, a quail is not like a, it's not like he's got like natural defenses. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, at, at what point do we just call it what it is? You know, you're killing something. We don't need to make it softer. But at least if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in the most stylish way that I can and in the most honorable way. And in in, 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 I'm going to, you know, love my traditions, you know, and hold on one second. Sorry, my family is really texting me. Sorry. I got to shut my, my thing off. Family's sitting text messaging me. Sorry. But no, if we're going to, if we're going to go out and take game and take life, bro, I'm an artist. Like I want to do that in the most elegant and, and, and respectful and beautiful and strategic and efficient and honorable and ethical. Like I've got all these adjectives. I want to do it like that. It's not just killing something to me, but it's doing it in, in, in celebrating the laws of nature. Mm-hmm. What shotgun do you use? Oh, I use an AYA 410, dude. I, I, an AYA uh, number 456. I think that's the model number. Uh- so essentially, you use a four ten. Yeah. For those that aren't shotgun fundies on this podcast, uh, a four ten is the smallest caliber that you can shoot in a shotgun. What would you do? You know what your spread is at a four ten at twenty at, yards, twenty five yards. At, at twenty yards with a four ten, I'm thinking I'm about the size of as far as diameter. I'm what two and a half, three feet. Okay. You know, I'm thinking. At most, you're, and that's the thing about shooting a 410, like your spread is not huge. Why do you shoot a 410? Respect to the game. I don't. Is it respect to the game or is it the, the challenge for you to almost level the playing field? That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's what I mean, respect to the game. Okay, like, okay, okay. I don't kill, I don't kill birds. If my dogs are not rock solid, locked up on point, and I run my dogs in braces, so if both of y'all little jokers come in the scent, you better back my other dog. Like we're a team. And again, definition: a brace being two. Being two, yes. I run two pointers and one uh, retriever. He walks at heel with me, or we ride away, whatever. But this is about an art to me, and I want to stress that, like. 
my dog, I believe in form and technique. Like for me, function follows form. If that makes sense. Yep. Like I, you better lock up. I'm looking for style. I'm looking for all of the pieces to the puzzle to come together. And then out of respect for nature and the pursuit, I want to give myself the greatest challenge after I've checked off the box. Did both dogs point? Did one dog back? Did Ruger, my lab, walk at heel? Did he do that nicely? Did he get in there and did the birds flush? What did the covey look like? Did we shoot into the covey? Did we target one bird instead of the whole thing? Okay, cool. Now, those dogs stand broke. And what I mean by that is when I shoot that bird and it falls, my pointers don't move. You stand there like a statue, man. This is art. And then I send my lab in, goes, picks up that bird and brings it to hand. And if I want to do a little surprise, I might let one of my pointers go retrieve just to, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Just because, but mm-hmm. that's the tradition of the, of, of the Red Hills down here in the South. And that's how my mentor taught me, like them dogs stand broke. And so I shoot a 410 because that is the icing on the cake of the highest level of challenge that I can hold myself to. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And even that, like, it's a, I like Spanish made double guns. Like I love that. AYA man is beautiful. Uh, I have to say, I've never heard of an AYA. Really? Well, this is, you're talking to a guy that you, you got to remember my history, right? My history is I only started hunting when I started, when I came to this country as a, as a 26 year old. Right. So So what was, Tell me that with experience, like coming over here, like you're an adult onset hunter in America, but not from America. I'm sorry. I mean, cut you, but I'm curious. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, the, the whole point of blood origins is that it's in your blood, right? And yeah. so hunting was in my blood. My grandfather hunted the the hunting meccas of, that this world had to offer, the 1920s and 30s in China, northern China, Siberia, Tibet. He hunted pheasants in Tibet. Okay. What? And, uh, yeah, white-eared pheasants in Tibet. I've got stories written about them from my grandfather. Then he hunted Africa, the heyday of Africa, in the 50s and 60s. And um, just when I was born and raised, I was raised in a very big town of Johannesburg, eight and a half million people. Nobody hunted around us. The hunting that my dad used to do was gone, you know. And uh, they just never spoke about it. And so I arrived in this country and met a six-foot-five, 260-pound redneck out of Mississippi. And he says, you want to hunt? Do you hunt? And I said, uh, I don't mind hunting. And he goes, you have to go get your hunter's education. So I went and got my hunter's education. And once that was that, he said, all right, here's a lawn chair. Here's a gun. Go sit under that tree. And if something walks by, shoot it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. But think about it. It was me, 26 yeah. years old. We're in, that's probably an eight-year-old boy in the South. That's what, it's probably what you grew up with. Like, you know, if if it's brown, it's down kind of deal. Right. Well, see, with me, the only difference, the the major difference that I had growing up was that, like, like we shot squirrels with BB guns, and and that's what I had. I didn't have 22s and stuff. My And it wasn't, I don't, I wouldn't even call it squirrel hunting. Like, we shot (laughs) the occasional squirrel that came through the backyard. Right. And we just got really good at shooting them in certain places. So, yeah, in in that way, if it's brown, it's down. Like, if it was gray, it falls. Like, mm-hmm. and you don't really learn the respect of it. It's just shooting. 
Yeah. So no, that's just a little bit of, you know. Okay. So I don't know. Like, I'm a I'm a newbie when it comes to everything. A lot of people have this this, this sort of misconception about who I am, right? That I'm this Dude. massively experienced hunter that's hunted all over the show, and I haven't. Well, you like, you, but you do. When I tell you, you are somebody that like I really love your thoughts. Well, I had to think about it because I've got the the reason why we started Blood Origins and the reason why I hunt. Obviously, I love it, but I also have two young boys that now have the opportunity being raised in this country to be able to do the things that I never got to do because of the circumstance that I lived in. And so it's like, shit, I better know what I'm doing. So I better learn shotgun cartridges (laughs) and that kind of stuff. And I better Mm -hmm. learn calibers. And but I also need to learn. Like when we're trapping coons and possums and coyotes and bobcats, that when the boys ask like that, why are we doing this? That my to, answer isn't why. my answer isn't because I like to kill shit, guys. Right. And it's because this is why. It's because we want turkeys on this property and we want quail on these properties and these guys are nest predators. And on a local scale, we want to be able to manage these populations and because we are, you know, being given the obligation of being stewards of the resources by, you know, our Lord and Savior, that this is yep. what we do. And yep. um, so, again, yeah, it's it's not to me. It's I, you're, you're, You talked about art. To me, I'm a scientist. I've got a Ph.D. in biology and restoration ecology. So to me, it's more okay. the science, right? It's me. It's more the how do you do how do you do the sustainability of ecosystems how do you maximize biodiversity and how do you use hunting as a tool in that endeavor well but but guess what you know where both of those paths lead right conservation Mm -hmm. they both lead us there right one is 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 like the beautification of it and the other is the actual path forward you know, and that's what it like without the science, I can't put my dogs into wild birds. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and we have to understand that like all of these things are connected. All of it. The fly fisherman who goes out with the sometime dog, the sometime English setter, right? That goes to hunt pheasant. That bird gets up, he shoots that dog, comes back, you take them 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 pheasant feathers, make yourself a fly, mm-hmm. you got something to eat. Like it's all one one big continuous, like interwoven thing. Right. You know, and that's what we gotta understand. You know, when we're when we're hunting, when we're fishing, like we are maintaining what humans have always done you're without conservation you're literally moving away human nature Mm. but isn't so how do we how do we you're right but then we have this this society that is pulling away from nature every single day that's becoming more urbanized that's becoming more disconnected it's becoming sanitized or desensitized. Let me say this, desensitized. No, that's not the right term. To death. 
They're sanitized from death. Sanitize is the right term there. Yeah. Yeah, they, don't know, they, don't, yeah. they don't know death. They don't understand death. They, they, they see death every day in their video games that they're destroying people and chopping off their heads. But, you know, the, the sight of blood of, you know, a squirrel being crushed, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. So how you know, do you uh, – those two things don't, don't jive. Well, I don't I, – I think we need to understand that, like, People evolve, people change. Like, life is theoretically, like, if we're going to be here, it's supposed to get easier. That's what techno technological innovation and all of that stuff have done, right? Like, mm -hmm. sure, all of that stuff is great. It's supposed to make our life easier. But where we need to do is understand that we are comparing apples and oranges, in my opinion. With death, like... I'm not really all for like all the shooting and video. I mean, whatever. I like those too, but we need to, we need to understand that those are two separate things and make an active concerted decision to be back a part of nature. You see what I'm saying? Like that is, that has to be a choice at this point in time because we can't give up the conveniences of what we have because that's why they're conveniences. So how do we address the people that aren't going to do that? So they're not going to have an idea of well, why you hunt. We, they're not going we, to understand Darrell going and hunting. Let, well, let's finally ask why. Like, why are you not on board? Like, because the people, I can't address the people. I can address the individual. I can address the individual because that individual is going to come to me when I'm making a difference out in the field, right? Like, I want to be the example because I know it's going to attract people who don't agree with that. I mean, let's think about social media. Like right. I don't keep negativity on my account. I just don't. And I'm trying my hardest to do what I can to use my platform for the betterment of minorities and history and research and, and, and all of these things. Right. By the, and I don't spend a lot of time. I don't, spend a lot of time worrying about what's bad and what's this and that, right? And by the nature of social media, and I'm just using this as an example, the nature of social media, people are going to say something negative, right? They're going to. So when that person comes to me, instead of not being receptive to it, let me find out from that person why. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you why. And I don't want to counter it. I want to respect it. Right. But if I respect what you have to say against hunting, against firearms, against all of these things, I'm going to ask you, will you respect my version of it? Mm. I want to make a trade with you. I want to hear your logic because let's say the anti-gun person, well, can you fault somebody for being anti-gun when maybe somebody, maybe there was a violent murder in their family. You know what I'm sure. saying? Yeah, sure. I want to know why. And so if I think about hunting, if I think about death and people that don't want to be a part of that, well, can I ask you why? Mm. Can I ask you why you don't want to know where the beef that you bought from the supermarket came from? Why don't you want to know that? Right. 
You buy it. Well, why the do you have difference. an issue with us? Why do you have an issue with me? Yet you have no problems getting beef from the supermarket. If you have no problem not knowing where you got and, and what it took to kill that cow that was raised to die, mm-hmm. why are you okay with that? And you're not okay with me spend, spending the energy to not only glorify and celebrate its existence and to spend my time trying to figure out ways to keep it around. And when I take game, I'm honoring it. I'm praying to it. I'm thanking God for it. I don't. I mean, what's the problem with that? Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. It, it's almost like an honest conversation, right? Something, again, that's missing in society. This idea that an amicable discussion of people with two differing opinions mm-hmm. listening to one another. Unfortunately, social media, as you said, social media is not the greatest avenue, not the greatest vehicle to have amicable discussions mm-hmm. of two differing, of different sets of opinions. Now, we, right. we tend to have a, a, a bit of success every so often. Right. Just based on the way that, just like you, we won't approach them and go, you know, if they say, ah, I hate hunting, you guys are all a bunch of killers. Uh, we've, uh, we've used that technique in the past. Say, hey, wh- why do you say that? Honest question, just want to hear your answer. Just, just tell me why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, and I'm not trying to be, like, mean, I don't get a clear answer. Mm-hmm. And I really want to know, because if that is your case, if there is something that is traumatic that happened, or maybe now, if that is the case, if there is a, a, a reason that as a human being down to my core, I can understand why this made you feel this way. Well, then, all right, big dog, cool. I totally understand that. And please go and 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 spend your money on people that have cattle farms and, and all kinds of things like that. What? No big deal. Mm-hmm. But if you are, if, if you are saying that you don't like death and us killing things because of, it, because it exists, well, then you don't like wildlife being wildlife. Mm-hmm. Wildlife is a beautiful thing until it kills something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Lion King was really cool until we figured out that right. you know Mufasa was still the top the the, the pride leader because he was a top killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I I really want there to be this, and I think we're getting there. I really think I think with the advent of social media, as much as as much as I can say good, my whole platform is based off of social media. So like, I'm not going to talk all the way bad about it. There are also accounts like Nature is Metal, and like I really like that account, right? Where in Blood Origins, right? Like where we are having honest discussions and not disrespectful discussions mm-hmm. about the taking of game mm-hmm. and the ways in which we do it to honor its life and provide and put food on our table. Yep. You know, yep. there there is. It's just about the way that you 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 honor 
your relationship with nature. Well, and I, I appreciate you sort of coming around to coming back to essentially where we started this conversation, which is you, you hunt in a way that respects the wildlife as best as you can respect it. At the same time, that respect sort of morphs into challenge. It morphs into art. It morphs into all sorts of things. And that's you saying that's what I do, right? You're not saying this is what I expect everyone to do. This is mm -hmm. just what Darrell Smith does. That's just the way I go about it. What, what I do with my dogs, man, that's a lot to ask for a dog. Like, and it, it just really is. Like, to ask a dog to completely disobey its natural instinct, to sit there and look pretty for me, like, not at that point, on a conceptual level, I'm not even respecting and honoring the game. Like, dude, I'm honoring a dog. Like, thank you for doing that. Right. Part of the package. Part of the package. You know, it. We, I, I, I have my kennel here, man, and, and every last one of these dogs that I have in my kennel, I go up every morning and, and greet them. Hey, hello, Miss Chloe, Vegas, Jughead, Ruger, Drip, Wink, Elvis. Speak to them, man. Like, this is a thing. Like, come on now. These, these, these dogs are coming out here and, and 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 trying to glorify nature, man. Like, speak to them. Let me throw this out there. Um, maybe I'm throwing a bomb at the end of the podcast, but I'll do it. And maybe we, if we need to, we can do it another podcast. Yeah. Is are are you the are you in the camp of just simply working dogs and not family dogs, or uh -huh. is it? So that's that's the camp you're in. Yeah, I. And it, and it's no. There's no way about it either way for me. It's for me. It's out of necessity. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a thing that I have seven dogs in my kennel right now. Five of which I own. The mm -hmm. other two I'm I'm training. Um, littermates to my youngest, and they're all great dogs. I, I enjoy them, and I like having a lot of dogs because I guide hunt. Right. And I need to turn. I need to be able to turn dogs over. Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one. We decided with my lab, he's my retrieving dog and, and, and all of that. Well, it was just too much hair to be just trying to sweep up and stuff like that all the time. And, and we moved him out like right before um, we had my daughter, mm. my oldest child. He's two. And so, and he was inside. He was cool. Um, my lead dog, Vegas, he was inside for a quick little second as a puppy, but he, he's pretty much been outside his whole life. And I, for a couple of reasons, I like them being out there. Number one, as I have progressed in my tenure, you know, um, in bird dogs and, and learning the things that I like and the styles that I like with no anything on anybody else's way of going about it, I like my dogs to be a little less attached to me and more into the hunt. Mm. My dogs respect me because they know that I'm going to put them in places that are going to put them in the bird. Mm -hmm. And they want to do the work for me because I respect them as my team. Mm -hmm. There's a, a, a mutual understanding there, but I don't want you up under me. I like when you crazy, my dogs run off They're A couple of them are big running dogs. A few of them hang a little closer, but not too much. I, 
I don't really want that attachment gotcha. because I want you hunting. You know, the you more think, intent. Do you think that the, the that attachment will change? Do you think oh, Darrell Smith in? No, no, no. I'm saying in Darrell Smith in 15 years. Darrell Smith, who's a little softer. Darrell Smith, who's grown. His kids are out the out the nest a little bit. Darrell Smith, who may have only three dogs in his kennel, not eight. It's like, hmm, maybe these three need to snuggle in the bed with me. You know, I'm, I've learned to never say never. <laughs> okay? <laughs> because then, I'm going to tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you where this came from. Now, by the time I got my youngest drip dog, a little beautiful dog. He's got a little patch over his eyes, liver and white. Um, I like my dogs real white. Well, anyway, you know, I brought him home, and my wife, she looked at me with that, Lord, you done got another dog look. And as she sat there, and for a second, she was like, you know what, he is cute. Like, I'm glad you got him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and then we were sitting there just kind of moseying around with him at the front. Like, he hadn't come into the house. I didn't bring him in. He's never been in the house. And she said, he's so small. I kind of want to bring him in the house. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I said, no, don't give in. Don't give in. Don't give no, in. No, like, no. no. <laughs> well, 15 years I, from so now. That little, that little puppy, if 15 years from now, a puppy like that might get me. Yeah, 15 years from now, you just need to send me a selfie of you hugging him in the bed, okay? <laughs> and I might have a little calmer dog. I like hot dogs, man. I like hot running dogs. The bigger they run, the longer the country will take them. Just be there when, just be on point when I get there. That's all <laughs> I'm asking. There we go. Well, Darrell Smith, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been certainly a pleasure to have you. And uh, as, an, as a first podcast, because I know this won't be the last. Oh, well, I hope not, man. We got to get sure. you online. Yeah, and next time we'll do it. We'll do it in person because podcasts in person are far better Bro- than brother this. man. You you come on down here to Georgia. I'll do it. I'll do it. As All I right. said, I've never done. Like, you want to see something funny? You want to laugh? And your buddies want to laugh all day long? <laughs> you put this. You put this South African on a horse, and there's going to be laughter all day long. <laughs> Well, we're going to get you on a horse, and we're going to make sure we don't have nothing to laugh at. No, no, no. I want the one that, you know, you're going to put your three-year-old daughter on because. Okay. Well, we, we got guide horses for that. Perfect. That's what I want. There we go. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for having me on, man. You're this welcome. Is truly an honor, man. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, Do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.